It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lauritsen. You may have heard us talk about our courses, the Consistency Code and Wellness Warrior Training before. And if not, we're excited to share more about them today, mainly in the context of what we learn from people that take these courses. Our students often share a lot of really wonderful things about themselves and get really vulnerable, which I really feel like is such a gift to receive anybody's vulnerability in general. When somebody opens up about what they're struggling with, I'm fascinated by it. Both Jason and I have studied psychology. Both of us have fantasized about (laughs) having careers in psychology, whether as therapists or in a former life or in an alternate universe, perhaps being psychologists or psychiatrists. And I think that's one of the big reasons that we not only created this podcast, but made these courses and started careers as coaches. We really love hearing about people's lives and supporting them, whether that's just through accountability, which is really the structure behind the consistency code is designed to keep you on track. And Wellness Warrior Training is designed to give you some ideas, inspiration, and also motivation and accountability for improving your well-being, whatever that means for you. Sometimes that's as simple as changing something that you're eating, eating more or less of something. Perhaps it's working out more often. I mean, there's so many factors to each of these. And just a little bit more in depth about these two courses and what they are. The consistency code, as I hinted at, is, well, it's also pretty obvious from the name (laughs) consistency. It's about finding direction and developing the consistency you need to stick with healthy, fulfilling habits. And again, the experience for each student is really relative to their own life. And we designed this program in 2019 because we were reading through feedback from people. I think we put out a survey or something and found out that consistency was the biggest thing people needed. They didn't really need new information. They wanted to be held accountable and feel motivated. And so we're kind of there to help you get your act together and follow through. Right now, we're experimenting with a less hands-on version of that. And then we're going to assess and see if that actually works well. And one thing that we're going to share in this episode is Some of the things that our students have been posting in the private community that we created. And first of all, everything will be anonymous. We'll always leave out any super personal details. We'll talk about it a little vaguely. And that way, each of the members can remain anonymous. But we'll speak about it in ways that appeal to someone like yourself as a listener and are more universal. And we also find a lot of these things that people are discussing in this community really interesting. And this community... It's designed to be an alternative to a Facebook group. We do have a Facebook group for Wellness Warrior Training, which I'll talk about in a moment. But we've been experimenting with an off Facebook group through the course software we use called Kajabi. And they have a really basic, kind of like a forum style community there where we've set up a place to introduce yourself to one another and then to check in daily 
about what you're being consistent with. And first of all, it's super interesting to me that most people don't check in daily, (laughs) at least not after a while. Almost every single one of the students has been through the consistency code has, quote, fallen off the bandwagon at some point where they'll be posting really regularly and getting feedback from us and the other members in the consistency code. And then eventually people just stop posting. And I've actually noticed this in any community setting that I've been in. People really struggle just being consistent with posting, even when they signed up for the purpose of being consistent. It's still a big struggle. And as a community organizer, I'm very fascinated by that and why just the act of posting online is hard for any of us, right? That doesn't require that much effort or at least as much effort as actually doing the things that you want to be consistent with, in which case we've divided it up into fitness, food, general health, lifestyle, passions, business. Those are kind of the common categories that people want to be more consistent with. And the whole point of the consistency code is not just to have people post about what they're doing, but to actually do the work and then post about their experiences with it. And yeah, I would just say that it's really fascinating. And then every once in a while, Jason and I have people that post a ton. And when we opened up the consistency code after being part of a bundle recently, a bundle sale, which we've talked about in previous episodes, we had a huge influx of students but such a few percentage of them actually did the work that we've seen. I just think that to begin with, Jason, is incredibly fascinating. Like I think we had what, like over 1,200 new people into this program, which is the most that we've ever had at one time. And like three or four of them are really posting about what they're doing and being consistent with it. I mean, that's a minor percentage. And I was also fascinated with learning that statistically, over 80% of people who buy online courses never complete them. We've even had in this case, because we were part of a bundle sale, we've had people that have signed up for this course, received one email from us, and then unenrolled themselves, (laughs) which I was fascinated by, right? I mean, I easily could have been offended by that, but you know, it's not going to be for everybody. We're not so in our egos that we're like, how come you don't love this course that we slaved over for all this time? (laughs) It's just fascinating to me that somebody would sign up for something and then immediately be like, oh, no, I don't want to do this, especially with the consistency code, Jason. I think we've talked about in a previous episode how did we talk about this? Now I can't remember. One or two people have decided to unenroll themselves from the consistency code simply because we mentioned that we are encouraging people to meditate daily. Yeah, we did talk about this. We talked about this with Ben Decker in one of our previous episodes with him that we have no idea what particular words or methodologies or teachings might trigger people. It was interesting too, and not to, I suppose, rehash what we talked about with Ben in his episode, but I have never experienced anyone who got triggered by the idea of meditating. And certainly, We think that meditation and mindfulness, Whitney and I feel that it's a cornerstone of well-being, that to manage our thoughts and our belief systems, our negative thinking, the self-defeating thoughts that we have each day, dealing with our anxiety, our depression, any kind of mental health issues, certainly that's something we're very passionate about. It's one of the inspirations of why we started this podcast and our brand Wellevator is to go beyond just looking at nourishment 
as what's on the end of your fork and looking at nourishment in terms of the people you spend time with, the community, the thoughts, the belief systems, the things you're reading, the mental impressions, the mental food, if you will. And so it is interesting, Whitney, to observe people. I don't even know if I would even classify them as dipping their toes in because I have also experienced in the past, and I know you have too, because we've done so many webinars and trainings and live events, although we didn't do many live events this year, that there's sort of people I would put in the category of toe dippers, that they'll try something out for a very short period of time, or they won't even get their feet wet. They'll just kind of like doop, dip their little toe in. They're like, no, not for me. And I always find that fascinating of what is it that occurs in a person's mind after proverbially dipping their toe in that they're like, nope, this isn't my thing. It fascinates me too. And if I reflect on this in my own life of maybe courses, seminars, live events, things I've been in, I'm trying to recall if there's anything that I was a toe dipper with where I was like, ah, nope, not for me. I don't think I've ever hit the eject button that quickly on anything I've enrolled for, to be honest with you. I'm thinking about that myself too. I think I could definitely see myself doing that with what I perceive as free, whether it was literally free or whether it was part of a bundle like this. And it makes sense to me. People sign up for bundles. They get like 80 products like they did in this bundle that we did. And they're just downloading them all to see if they're going to be useful to them, right? So in this specific case, I can see why there's a lot of toe dippers. I think it's very different when you pay money for something. But even in the times that I've done that, I'm sure there are times that I perhaps have toe dipped or perhaps have put in a minimal amount of effort. And from a psychological standpoint, going back to that, like I think about that for myself. And then I think about that as a coach, course creator, speaker, author, all of these things. Another example is right now I'm writing another ebook about coffee and it's a subject matter I'm really passionate about. And it's also going to be launched in a bundle sale. <laughs> this has been a season of bundle sales for me and Jason. And if you're listening to this episode and don't know what a bundle sale is and haven't heard us talk about it, let me clarify. A bundle sale is when you and a variety of other people like course creators, authors, etc. combine their products and services together for a small fee or a big discount, basically. So for instance, we're in one in January 2021, which is the first time I think I've said that out loud. I don't think I've really referenced 2021 yet. And it's interesting to say that year <laughs> for what I perceive as the first time or one of the few times I've said that year. So in January 2021, Jason and I are participating in our final bundle sale together. And then I'm putting my new coffee ebook in another bundle sale. It's, they kind of cross over. So that should be interesting too. But the bundle sale that Jason and I are part of is worth like $13,000. And we'll share more details about it in the future. But it's an insane value, right? So I can see how somebody would see that and think, oh my gosh, I'm getting so much value. I better take advantage of everything. But it is really psychologically challenging for us to do it all. And not everything is going to appeal to you. So I even went through and looked at all the different products that are in that specific bundle sale. And not everything fits for me. I don't like the coaching or the teaching style of every person. I don't necessarily need those things in my life. Maybe I've done them before. Maybe I've tried them and they didn't feel right for me. Maybe I'm not ready for them. There's a lot of factors that go into this, right? 
I think I'm very fascinated by the consistency code, though, because as I said earlier, it's just accountability program. Like you can be consistent with whatever you want when you enroll in it. And yet, if so many people are saying they need consistency and accountability, and we say, here you go, like we've provided the structure for you, like how is that not for the majority of people? That's the big question for me. And as a developer, I'm thinking like, how can I make this better and easier for people? And the other fascinating thing is we've asked people for feedback and very few people even provide feedback. So it's kind of one of these head scratchers of like, how are you supposed to improve something for somebody or for somebody else if you're not even getting feedback about why it's not working for someone or why it's not a fit? This is like a kind of insight with this episode and not only what we're learning from people, which we will dive into in a moment, but also what it's like to create anything, whether it's an ebook, a physical book, a course, a speaking appearance. A lot of these things that we've done have resulted in very similar experiences, as you're saying, Jason. It's a challenge, I think, Whitney. And, and this sort of bleeds into a larger consideration that I've been sitting with a lot this year in reflecting on not just what we're releasing with Wellevator in terms of our courses and our content and how we engage with our audience, also with the stuff that I have been putting out content-wise, there's this interesting balance of wanting to create things that are going to be useful and valuable for the people who are listening or consuming our content or watching our videos or listening to this podcast. It's this also this balance though, right, of you and I feeling fulfilled as creators and artists and business people. And I find that it's a challenging balance sometimes because we're trying to find a fine line between what we think is going to be useful and valuable and resonant for the person on the other end of it who might buy the course or listen to this podcast. But then ultimately, do we look at what we've created and feel excited about it? Do we feel joyful about it? maybe to a lesser degree, proud of it. I'm not sure if that's a necessary requirement, but what you're bringing up brings something up for me, Wit. in, I don't know, sometimes it feels like a shot in the dark. You and I have also surveyed our audience and had some wonderfully detailed responses when we've sent out newsletter surveys and received some feedback. But even that, gaining those insights into what people are struggling with, what they're concerned with. And as we're going to get into some of these comments and posts from the community we have online, We've interwoven those messages and those insights and perspectives. And even then, sometimes it's like crickets, like, okay, guys, you were really verbal in the surveys and giving us feedback. Where are you now? It's the challenge, I think, for any business owner who has sort of a public facing business. And you can even imagine the food industry too, right? When you're revamping a menu, I remember working in the restaurant industry. And when I was working at cafes and chefing, we would get feedback from patrons of like, you know, why, why did you take that? whatever, you know, vegan omelet off the menu, or where's that pumpkin cheesecake? Can you bring that back? And you start to get a sense of what people want. But when you bring those things back or you incorporate people's feedback, it doesn't necessarily guarantee sales. It doesn't necessarily guarantee success if you bring back the proverbial pumpkin cheesecake. So I think this is giving hopefully the listener a little bit of insight into some of the challenges we experience as creators and business people of how do we give people what we think they want or what they've told us we want, but also do things that regardless of how well they sell, that you and I feel good about what we've put out in the world? And I think that's a balance we're still trying to find. And this is actually something I've been thinking a lot about recently, which is tapping more into my intuition and 
trying not to look as much for external validation or feedback. And I actually saw a interesting point on TikTok, (laughs) which I feel like that phrase for me is becoming kind of cliche. Like, I saw something on TikTok. Like, that is probably one of the most common things I've said on this podcast in the past year. But it's true. I see a lot of interesting things on TikTok that make me think. And one that I saw yesterday was pointing out and kind of making fun of how when we, meaning TikTokers or TikTok watchers collectively, when we go to the comments section and how frustrating it is when the comments are turned off on TikTok, which is rare, but every once in a while people do that. I think they might have had a bad experience. They might have felt bullied or overwhelmed. There's so many reasons why you might turn off the comments. I think this happens on a lot of platforms, YouTube for sure. But on TikTok, one of the things you do is you look at the comment sections to see what people are thinking and saying. And sometimes I go to the comment section because I'm curious about other people's perspectives or their questions, or maybe there's a second part to the video that somebody posts. Like there's a lot of different reasons that you go to the comment section. But one of the big reasons that was pointed out in this video I saw yesterday was that a lot of people go to the comment section as a way of figuring out how they feel about a video. Like until I read what other people think of something, I don't know how I think about it, right? And I think that this is true for a lot of us on social media. It's like we are looking to see what other people are saying and doing as a way of figuring out what we want to say and do. And I think that that is human nature, But it can also be a slippery slope because if you're paying too much attention to what other people are saying or doing, what their opinions are, what their feedback is, then you kind of start to lose your sense of self. And I've experienced this a lot. And I'm trying to do less of that. And I am also trying to develop more of a mindfulness practice around it. And it's tricky. I don't know that I necessarily do this. It's interesting that you bring this up, Whitney, in the sense that people are looking to comments to see how they feel about something. That's very odd. That It reminds me almost of like the lemming theory of the herd mentality of how does everyone else feel? Well, that's how I feel. And it also reminds me of kind of assessing very, very subjective things like art or music or books or any kind of creations that are out there. And How you can have a whole gaggle of people that are like, oh, this album sucks and I don't really like this artist or I don't know what all the hype is about with this particular book. But many, many times I'll investigate said music or book or piece of art that's put out in the world. And sometimes I really like it. And it's completely antithetical to what the masses say about it. And I kind of feel (laughs) this is a bit of a tangent, but I think there's something in me that as part of my natural sort of rebelliousness that's been an aspect of my personality ever since I was a young child and was also nurtured by my mother who was like, yeah, do your thing, be rebellious. It's not a rule for me, but it's almost like when I see a lot of people doing something that's really popular or widely accepted, I tend to have a natural skepticism or rebelliousness or want to do the opposite of what I see people doing. So it's interesting you bring this up, this mob mentality of, I'm going to look at the comments and see how I feel. That's so antithetical to how I feel about things. It reminds me, you laughed when we were texting the other day of like, you're obsessed with all the people moving to Austin, Texas right now. 
And it is fascinating to me how many people I know from New York and Los Angeles that are moving in droves to Austin. And it makes me not want to move there simply because it's the popular thing right now. And so many people are doing it. I'm like, not moving there on principle alone. And so this whole thing about looking to other people's feedback and comments to see how I feel, it just feels so, so counter to how I operate in the world. It's very odd. It's almost like alien what you've just shared with me. I've never, ever heard this before. Well, maybe that's because you don't use TikTok as much as I do. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's also a effect of being on there. I mean, part of the reason that I've looked at the comments is because it is, like I said, interesting to see how people react. And a lot of people say very, very clever things in the comments section. So it's almost like another layer of entertainment. Like this video was funny, but what are the comments going to add to it? People are very clever. And I think that's actually the big appeal of TikTok for me is that it does show how clever people are. And there's a creativity that people exhibit on TikTok that I haven't seen anywhere else because it forces your brain to work differently when you have that short amount of time, just like Vine did, I suppose. I was never that into Vine. So I'm sure it's very similar to that. And it's not the way that my brain and creativity really work. If you haven't noticed through this podcast, I tend to be long-winded. We have long episodes for a reason. I prefer longer content, right? Long form was the phrase I was looking for. And for me, like doing a 90-minute podcast is easier for me than doing a 15-second video on TikTok. It takes more brain power for me to think that way versus some people are the complete opposite. And some people can write these incredible comments. I've actually been on the receiving end of a lot of praise for my comments a few times. It's actually quite annoying right now based on how TikTok works. I have posted a few comments over the past year that I've been on this platform that have gone viral. I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this, Jason, but literally tens of thousands of people have liked my comment and it's the number one comment because they go up the feed, like the top comments are always at the top right underneath a video. And then the less popular comments are further down. So you're basically voting up comments. And I have this one comment on a viral video that months and months, if not getting close to the year mark, people have been liking this comment. And it's really annoying because right now you can't turn off that notification. And so it's a curse because every time I open up TikTok, I have notifications from people liking one of my comments that went viral. And like, there's a little validation. You're like, wow, I was really clever. I left a popular comment or the most popular comment of this video is mine. But it doesn't really serve me much beyond that. It's not like I'm getting more followers or making more friends through that. It's like this little serotonin boost or whatever. And then I'm annoyed that I have so many notifications. Have you written TikTok to ask if they can create a functionality where you can turn it off? I'm sure that they're working on it because it's a well-known annoyance. In fact, it's become a meme in itself. Oftentimes, when somebody leaves a really popular comment, the comment underneath that comment, because you can comment on people's comments, <laughs> just like a forum, a lot of people will comment on a popular comment, RIP to your notifications, meaning like, great, this comment's very popular, but now your notifications are all going to be about this comment. And so it's a very well-known issue on TikTok. I mean, in some ways, though, Whitney, it's de-incentivized for them to change this because 
if we talk about what you and I have discussed many times about attention being really the most valuable currency with digital media right now, what incentive do they have to change it? Because by you getting absolutely bombarded with notifications every single day, what does that mean? That means you're spending a longer amount of time on the app, consuming, responding. So to me, it's like they could probably be getting tens of thousands of messages of like, please change this. But it's sort of antithetical to their business model as a social app to change this because it might mean you're going to spend less time on the app, right? Why would they change it? It's a very good point. And they probably won't for that reason. I mean, it makes me want to use the app less, but maybe I'm in the minority of that. It's really, really annoying. And so my only system is just to ignore it. (laughs) But it's hard to ignore. To your point, Jason, it's hard to ignore the notifications because even if you turn them off so they don't come up on your home screen, for example, every time I open the app, there's a little red number with the notification symbol. And my brain always goes, oh, maybe somebody liked one of my videos. And then it's like, nope, it's not my video they're liking. They're liking my comment on somebody else's video. And that actually is a segue back into the main purpose of this episode. Although, as usual, we go on a lot of tangents. Forums in general, a lot of them are designed so that you can like people's comments. And I struggle a lot. And I wonder if this is one of the reasons that people have trouble posting in groups, whether it's Facebook, Slack, different community platforms, it's sometimes hard to verbalize what you want to say. It's hard to verbalize feedback. And an actually a little behind the scenes fact about how we run our business, Wellevator, is that I really have a hard time responding to emails. So I'll often ask Jason to do it because I feel like your brain, Jason, functions very differently than mine in terms of like putting your thoughts into words. I don't know why it is that my brain struggles with this, but that's like a form of communication that I get very overwhelmed by, I suppose. Maybe it's not really a struggle. It's just like it takes so much effort that I get drained by it. It might be an introvert thing. Do you think that could be the case, Jason, you being extroverted? Or do you think that you're just better, like you have a bigger interest in it or you're more practiced with it? Like, What is it that makes it easier for you to leave comments and respond to emails than me? That's a really good question. I don't know if it has to do with the extroversion part of it per se. I've never associated my writing abilities or my abilities to translate my inner thoughts to a written word or a typed word. I don't know that extroversion has anything to do with it. It might if I sit with it, but my initial hit with your question is no. I think when I sit down to write, I've gotten into the habit, whether it's an email or responding to comments in our personal forum, like the consistency code community that we're going to dive into and talk about some of the comments and questions and feedback in there that we think could be useful to you, dear listener. I think for me, Wit, it's, I don't know, I think I've just trained myself to sit down in front of a comment or an email or a blog post, even though I haven't been really super active with writing blog posts, but I've been really active with our emails and our newsletter, is I just sit down and, I don't know, I've trained myself to like not give a fuck and just write whatever comes out. And then, okay, I can edit it, I can revise it, but I think when I was young, I noticed that I always really liked writing and I liked communicating through writing. And there was a part where I remember when I was maybe in high school, I noticed that the inner editor would come in too quickly. It's I'd sit down to write and then the voice in my head would be like, ah, this sucks. You're going to start a sentence that way. And I think I've just continued to practice 
making sure that I can get thoughts out for lack of a more elegant phrase, kind of just vomit my ideas out and then allow the editor to come in later rather than vice versa. So I think that's more of it rather than an introversion versus extroversion framework is that I feel like I'm getting better as a writer at allowing the idea to flow through and then editing it or revising it or minimizing it later, as opposed to when I was younger, the editor would come in right away and kind of put the kibosh on a lot of my creativity. And it's not that way every single time I sit down to write, but most times it is where I'm like, fuck it, I'm just going to say what's on my mind and we'll figure it out later. We'll figure out if it makes sense later. Yeah, that certainly could be the case. And perhaps that's why people struggle to share things in the written word because it feels like solidified, I suppose, even though you can go back and edit it. Luckily, most platforms allow you to edit your comment or even delete it, right? And if some people don't have this issue. Some people can just flow like you do, Jason. Some people, for worse, I wasn't going to say for better, but for worse, they go on there and they may say really critical things and they don't have any censorship of themselves. Perhaps they're writing a ton more than you can read. I mean, there's so many different things that we witness through being on all these different platforms and running all these different programs. You get a lot of different types of people and I find it super fascinating. So I would love to dive into sharing some of the things that we've learned about people through this. And we'll talk about both the consistency code and wellness warrior training. And I'll share with you first a little bit more about wellness warrior training. Wellness Warrior Training was the first course that we created with Wellevator. If you don't include something that we had worked on behind the scenes, and actually, if you didn't know this about our history, Wellevator was originally designed to help wellness content creators and course creators and speakers and anybody that was working in that field. We were originally going to support them with growing their businesses. So it was going to be more focused on the professional side of wellness. And then over time, as we were experimenting through our newsletters and social media, we realized that people actually just wanted support with their well-being. So we made this big pivot. And I think that's where Wellness Warrior Training was born. It's so interesting, Jason, because I'm thinking about the history of it. It's also possible that we made the Wellness Warrior Training course for a bundle. Does that sound right? Because I know we launched it with a bundle years ago. Is that the whole reason that we made this course to begin with? I don't think it was the sole reason of doing the bundle. I think it was part of it. I think the greater reason was after the first, say, maybe nine to 10 months of launching the brand, we realized that we didn't want to have such a niche focus. I remember having conversations with you about creating content specifically for wellness entrepreneurs. And this is also an ongoing consideration of people say like the riches are in the niches and that you should get super narrow and super targeted. And I think for some people that works really, really well. I think at a certain point before we recorded and launched Wellness Warrior Training, I remember just feeling very constricted by that, by thinking, okay, we're just going to reach out to wellness entrepreneurs to optimize their business and get their messages out there. And I also didn't really feel that passionate about it. I mean, doing business trainings or content creator trainings or things like that, as a coach, I didn't feel excited about it anymore. I feel much more excited about the broader, more expansive conversations you and I are having here and having on social media. And I think Wellness Warrior Training was the first 
big pivot for us in saying, okay, we're not just going to focus on this very narrow specific niche of wellness entrepreneurship. We're going to blow this out into a broader conversation about what is the examination of well-being on a broader level, not just for business, but for individuals really getting clear about why they want to feel better and how to feel better. So I think to me, it was almost like putting our proverbial stake in the ground and going, okay, we're not going to do the previous iteration of this brand. We're going to do a full pivot. To me, I think that was more about it than just creating it to be included in the bundle. That's my recollection of it. Well, I don't know, Jason, because I was just looking through the history of it, and we definitely launched it with a bundle in 2018. It feels like wellness warrior training has been around longer than that. And Wellevator really hasn't been around much longer because we started Wellevator in June 2018, and then we did this course in November 2018. And I think that was really close to that pivot time. I remember you picking out the name of the course, but we were working on the course and releasing it week by week through that bundle that we did. So I'm almost positive it was created for this bundle, which is interesting because you know we've been talking about our experiences with bundles and all of that. And Wellness Warrior Training feels like our grown-up child and Consistency Code is like our newer kid, you know, and maybe our podcast is also a child of ours. Each of these endeavors that we've had has been such a fascinating journey as business owners. And for those of you who haven't heard of Wellness Warrior Training or checked it out before, it's a pretty in-depth online course. It's about helping you with your personal well-being so that you can thrive physically, mentally, and spiritually. We include daily mindfulness practices that are all around elevating your mood, creating more clarity, and creating sustainable feelings of purpose-driven joyfulness. A lot of this copywriting can be attributed to you, Jason. And it's a 10-week curriculum. And we give these audio lessons. And we actually have new students in the course right now, thanks to a bundle sale we participated in recently. And they've been sharing some really wonderful things in the assessments. So you have an option to fill out these little assessments at the end of each week. So for 10 straight weeks, almost as if you were in school, if you have good associations with that structure, you can fill out like these little self-assessments that teach you a lot about yourself. And man, are they fascinating. And that ultimately was the inspiration for this episode, even though we haven't even gotten to this yet. But first, we should begin with some of the consistency code comments and things that we're learning in there, Jason, and then we can talk about wellness warrior training. I'll begin with one. So I posted something inspired by a quote from a book, which is from Genius Foods. It's a really wonderful wellness book that you can get. And the author, Max, had a great paragraph in there that said, Dietary change is among the hardest things to accomplish for most people. We bring to every meal the accumulation of years of habit, societal pressure, and cultural norms, influencing both what we and our bodies seem to want. And I thought that was so well articulated. I posted something inspired by that in the consistency code. And I just wanted to acknowledge the fact that Being consistent with something like dietary change is really challenging for those reasons. So we need to give ourselves credit for these changes and also know that over time with consistency, small changes will add up to really big things. And that was one of the main reasons that we created this course. And a lot of people feel challenged with 
instant gratification. This is one of the comments that we received recently, which was even though this member of the course has been vegan for five years, they explained how that instant gratification, that desire for a certain taste can be so tempting and they'll end up eating things that don't make them feel good. So they might even be vegan plant-based foods, but they might be full of sugar and they don't react well to sugar. Or perhaps in my case, sometimes I eat gluten, even though I know gluten makes me feel awful. But that instant gratification is such a draw to me. And that's actually one of the reasons that I benefit from consistency. I found that if I just do something really small once a day, every single day for at least a few weeks, I'm more likely to stay on track with it than if I just do something every once in a while, then it just doesn't become a habit. And we've talked about this before in some episodes and the whole science behind it. In fact, this is actually included in the Consistency Code program in the training that we offer within that course. We get into all the scientific research about habits and how to develop them and stick to them. <laughs> I don't know if this is related. Who knows what's related? I've been trying to reduce my sugar intake. I've mentioned this on the podcast in several episodes of, I think that I've had issues with sugar addiction in the past, and I've been very, very mindful not to overindulge in it. But last night I did, and it kind of is maybe a break in the consistency where for not just mental reasons and being mindful of my addictive tendencies with sugar, but wanting to reduce inflammation in my body while I'm recovering. I actually might post this in the community now that I'm actually speaking it out loud. And last night I had like a vegan Pop-Tart and I had some ice cream and I ate like a significant amount more sugar than I have in a while. And I've just been feeling a ton of anxiety the last couple of days. And yeah, last night, interestingly, Whitney, like I made kind of a break in the consistency that I've been doing with eating low sugar, anti-inflammatory foods. And I just overindulged a little bit because I was feeling a ton of anxiety and feeling like I needed some comfort. You know, The important part I think about it was not beating myself up afterward. I did it and I thought to myself, wow, that's a lot more sugar than you're used to eating. And also being fully aware of the fact that I was eating it for emotional comfort, that I just needed something satisfying in my body to shift my state of being. And I don't feel any danger necessarily of perhaps falling down a slippery slope and eating a ton of sugar today, which I haven't. But for some reason last night, I just remember being fully aware of like, oh, this is definitely not anti-inflammatory. This is definitely a ton more sugar. But I think the important part for me was not beating myself up afterward or making myself feel a sense of shame for doing it. And I think I'm going to post that in the community because maybe it'll be of benefit to people. I don't know. So diving into some of the comments here, Whitney mentioned earlier that there are some people that are extremely active in the community. And what I've been noticing is there's some stuff about mental health in there, which is something that I'm particularly passionate about. It's not necessarily just food or fitness. Although Whitney mentioned in the Consistency Code community, there are different sections in our community where people can comment on things. But one thing that I am interested in is people's comments on meditation, mindfulness, mental health. And one of our contributors and our students in there said that she's been trying to meditate more often, that she's been carrying an abnormal amount of tension in her body, and that it takes her longer to reach a state of feeling relaxed, but not asleep. And I think this is an interesting thing because I certainly have been reading a lot of studies, Whitney, 
about the mental health challenges and the stress and anxiety during the pandemic, which we are still very much in at the time of this recording. And I think it's important that we share resources with each other about stress relieving techniques or how to deal with anxiety. We actually received an email also from someone uh, earlier this morning about how they're having a physical issue with their body and can't quite seem to get to the bottom of it and that their doctors don't really know what's going on, but they're convinced it's something serious. And I think we're just going to start seeing a lot more of this. And one of the things that I think is so important and useful about a forum and a community like this is that people don't feel so alone in what they're going through that if they're confused or they're stressed out or they're feeling like they can't figure out what's going on with their body or having trouble sleeping, one of the biggest things is talking to people who've gone through something similar or who might have other resources. So in the case of this post, someone underneath said, have you tried something called a suboccipital to release to see if it helps with your headache? Now, that's interesting to me, Whitney, because I have no idea what the hell a suboccipital release is. Like, I want to Google that and figure out what it is because that gives me an opportunity to learn. Like, maybe that's a technique I need to use before bed or if that's something that I can find a practitioner to teach me what that is. So I think it's cool, again, in the sense of people banding together in a community of teaching people about techniques or nutrition tips or whatever the case may be. That's one of my favorite parts about it is you and I being in there learning from other people and what they're doing in their lives. Absolutely. And I think that's so important is knowing that we're not just there to lead people through something, coach them and support them. We're also there to participate. And usually when I do some sort of course or program, activity, etc., that's inspired by my own wants and needs. Another post that I thought was really wonderful in the consistency code was around boundaries. And I love this one specifically because I think a lot of people struggle with boundaries. But until somebody steps up and talks about their experiences, you might not even recognize it, right? And how sometimes you can feel really uncomfortable setting boundaries personally or professionally, or even getting to this place of feeling like shame, embarrassment, or guilt for setting boundaries. And being gentle on ourselves as well. Like sometimes setting a boundary is, I actually would say most times setting a boundary is a form of self-care, but it's not a subject matter that I think people talk enough about. I think it's kind of increasing in popularity, but it's still not super common. Yeah. This idea of boundaries is, (laughs) I kind of feel like there's so many nuances in this conversation around boundaries. I've noticed that sometimes people set up a lot of boundaries almost as an overcompensation for feeling like they've been taken advantage of in the past. I've noticed that with people like, that's a boundary. All of a sudden, everything's a boundary in life. And like anything else that we teach or espouse or that Whitney and I are students of ourselves, it's about finding a balance, right? Because one can erect a lot of boundaries out of a trauma response, right? Versus perhaps an intuitive sense that something isn't working for them or they don't feel honored or they don't feel respected. It's a nuanced, very fine line, I think, between trying to overprotect ourselves because of trauma, past trauma or current trauma, versus honoring our wants and needs and desires. I know this might be a tangential offshoot, Whitney, but in terms of boundaries, how do you feel about that? And what have you observed with yourself in terms of, I'm doing this to honor or respect myself versus an overprotective trauma reaction? 
Hmm. I mean, this is a deeper subject. Maybe we should bookmark this for another episode because I think we can go on and on about this and we're getting closer to the end of this episode. So I would love to pick that up and be like a teaser for another one to really go deeper into. I guess that in itself is setting a boundary of knowing like once you kind of open up the cork of something, (laughs) you got to be ready to consume it all at one time. I wanted to dig into another section of the consistency code. If you say that word too fast, it comes out very slow. Consistency code community. There, that's better alliteration. And the comment section under passions is the one, interestingly, that has at this moment the least amount of comments. And so I wanted to dive in there. And it looks interestingly like people have some really cool stuff. It's definitely the the least amount of comments, but some deeper ones in here. So another person talked about needing to create more space in their life for their passions in the lifestyle thread of the community. They mentioned a house project and finishing that will definitely help them be able to do more of that in an area. This person's an actress and a filmmaker, so having room to record is vital. But now what to record? She mentioned she had writer's block during the pandemic because she usually goes to coffee houses to write. That's something that Whitney and I love to do. That's actually where Wellevator was born in many coffee houses in LA. Something about the energy keeps her mind active Whereas staring at the same walls with the same person, not so much. This is interesting, right? Because I think that as a reflection, Whitney, I don't know that I've been as creative as I've wanted to be, whatever that means. I had this grand vision during the pandemic of recording all of these songs and finishing more songs for my record. And I've played music, but I haven't finished any of those songs. And it's almost like how to stay creatively engaged and stimulated in the same environment. And certainly one of the biggest things that I miss is going to coffee shops, going to concerts, collaborating with other musicians or artists where I'm in my house 95% of the time. And sometimes I walk into my office and I see the podcasting equipment or I see my guitar or my piano and I'm like, I don't feel like doing any of this shit. And I think the comment we received in this passion section is, yeah, it's tough. I mean. I'm curious how you have felt in terms of being in the same environment over and over again. Has that stagnated your creativity or blunted it to a degree? Do you feel less motivated not being able to go out to coffee shops and concerts and places where maybe you would get some external stimulation? Does that resonate at all with you, Wit? I wouldn't say so, mostly because I think being introverted, I get more energy being alone than I do being around other people. I find that very draining. And I also did my cross-country trip where I was traveling a ton and in all sorts of different environments for months. And I don't know if those environments added to my creativity as much as I thought they were going to. I thought, you know, I was going to get so much done and I was going to do all these things. And instead, I still think I feel kind of burnt out. I don't know if it's from that trip or not, but like I've been experiencing burnout really intensely for the past month. And it's been really tough for me. And I think that I actually need to do less. And that will help me ultimately. And I think there's also something to be said for the collective energy and sadness that we're experiencing as a world right now that's impacting us so differently. And that actually leads me to a couple other things before we move into wellness warrior training, because there's so much in the consistency code And if you're, as a listener, interested in this and you want accountability, but you also want to learn from this community of people who share so much, that's a good reason to check out the Consistency Code. We priced it 
at a very reasonable price. If you can't pay that or you need something lower, never hesitate to ask us. We're totally open to making something work for you. It's not something that we're giving away, but it is something that we can talk with you about and have some sort of a sliding scale, by the way. And that's true for a lot of our work. It never hurts to ask, and not just with us, but with anybody. You would be very surprised what somebody is willing to do for you, especially during these times where things are very different. And I think people are more accepting, understanding, and trying to be more helpful. So if you're listening to this and thinking you just don't have all the money to pay for something, don't hesitate to ask us and keep an eye out for the bundle sales. As we've mentioned, we have another one coming up. So anyways, there was two other things that I wanted to touch upon myself with the consistency code. One was a really interesting one that you commented on, Jason, from somebody who said that they're a personal trainer, a coach, a teacher, an instructor that is having a hard time being consistent in their own practices. And then you had this wonderful comment, Jason, about how even with the practices that we know and have been doing for years or decades, it is still a struggle, right? And I love that you reminded people in this group that this is a safe place to admit it because you and I, like speaking about you, Jason, and myself, we also have a tough time with this. I mean, like I just said, I get really burnt out and I have trouble doing anything. And I can go through and try all the well-being practices that I know how to do. And sometimes they don't feel like they're working. And sometimes I don't want to be consistent. Sometimes I don't want to do those things. You know, like it's not about having the answers. It's not about getting it right all the time. And I think Part of consistency is coming back to something even when you stop doing it. So maybe you know that it benefits you to meditate every day, but you don't meditate every day and you might fall off the quote bandwagon. A great example of this in my personal life is currently I haven't worked out in, I don't even remember how long, over a month for sure. I think the last time I really worked out was at my parents' home before I drove back to Los Angeles. And I've really had a hard time getting back into my yoga practice that I used to do at least a few times a week. And I think about it almost every day, but honestly, I'm exhausted most days. I don't even know why. I think I'm truly burnt out. I think I need even more rest than I've been giving myself. No matter how much I sleep each day, I still feel tired. No matter how many times I try to refine what I'm eating and drinking, et cetera, I feel tired. And I think sometimes your body's going through something, your mind's going through something and it's asking you to rest. So instead of judging myself and panicking and worrying about like, oh my gosh, I haven't worked out for four or five weeks, I'm allowing that to be okay. I'm giving myself that grace and that patience. And that in itself is a consistent practice. And then I know that one day I will want to start doing my yoga again. One day I will feel more energy. I might just need to take that pause. And so this ties into two different elements of A, looking at consistency from kind of the opposite viewpoint, and B, to your point in your comment, Jason, that even when you know how to do something, how it benefits you, the whys, the, you know, every element of it, that doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect at it, even if you're a teacher. Yeah, it's important, I think, for us to be really gentle with ourselves. There was, I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't have it in front of me, but there was a comment that I reposted from 
our mutual friend Pamela on her Instagram page that said something to the effect of just prepare yourself for all the year end kind of like lose the quarantine weight and get in shape for 2021 and like start the new year off right and finish the year strong. And the comment was basically like, <laughs> don't listen to all of this bullshit because if you are healthy and your body is functional and you're doing okay, that's enough. Don't fall into this sort of year-end marketing schemes of kind of the prototypical stuff of how we get marketed all of these New Year's programs of like, here's this gym membership and here's this coaching course and start the New Year strong. And her point with this comment, Pam's comment was like, you're okay just as you are now. So what if you're whatever, however many, 15, 20, 25, 30 pounds heavier, you're alive, hopefully healthy, hopefully have your wits about you, you're doing great. And I think we need more of that. And you and I have been putting out messages and reposting stuff like that. I've been sharing stuff like this of let's not fall into the pattern of beating ourselves up. Like, why do we need to start the new year strong? Why do we need to finish 2020 strong? Why do we need to strive for losing the 15 pounds? And her point and the messages that I'm seeing that hopefully you and I are spreading in our own way, Whitney, is like, fuck all that. If you're okay and healthy, and doing relatively okay, just let it be enough. You're enough as you are. And I'm saying it because I had a moment where I looked in the mirror this past week and I'm noticing how imbalanced my body is after my surgery and the fact that I haven't worked out since early November because my body's needed to recover from the surgery. And I was judging my body, you know, and I was looking at like the weight that I've gained and how my body is literally out of balance. And I have this gigantic scar on my body now. And feeling kind of awful about myself. And I had to turn it around and be like, dude, you were in a motorcycle wreck and you had major surgery. Who fucking cares if you're 15 pounds over whatever that, who cares? And I think we need to get into a habit and I'm encouraging the listener of like adopting the mantra of fuck it. Who cares? Who cares? Do your best. Be gentle with yourself because we are in chaos right now. Yeah, that's an incredibly important reminder. And even when we're not in chaos, we should still be gentle with ourselves because each of us go through ups and downs. I've said this many times, like we don't always have as much control over ourselves as we think we do. We are fragile human beings. Sometimes we feel stronger or weaker than other times in our lives. And that's okay. This is one of the big reasons that we are not fans of hustle culture because trying to hustle all the time, regardless of your circumstances, can lead to A, a ton of burnout, and likely one of the reasons I feel that way so often. I tend to feel burnt out towards the end of the year and towards the beginning of the year. Like it's December and January are harder times for me, and I'm trying to give myself more grace. The last thing I want to touch upon before we move on to a few of the wonderful things we've been learning from our students in wellness warrior training, and this actually is an overlap, but I definitely have been experiencing this with consistency code. And I think it's because we have so many new students in there for which we're very grateful for. But we definitely had more need and sometimes more pressure to do more ourselves. And I think this is twofold for us sharing here on the podcast. One, we like to give you, the listener, a peek into who we are and, and the behind the scenes of our business. But also, perhaps you can apply these same lessons to your life in whatever context, right? Because each of us, whether we're students or parents or business owners or employees, like whatever you're doing with your life, 
this is going to apply somehow. And I wanted to kind of like be honest about this, but also like touch on this without judgment and kind of lightly is sometimes, Jason, there's a lot of pressure for you and I to do a lot as coaches. And I think this is where boundary setting comes into play is this kind of like idea that people will get in their heads about how they want you to show up for them and almost like a not enoughness feeling that I get sometimes. Like there's um, been a couple comments in the consistency code about like, why aren't you guys responding faster? Or what does this mean? Or I don't understand. You know, it's like there's sometimes like an intensity of wanting a lot from us and more than we had set ourselves up to give. And I think this is really interesting, again, in many factors of our lives. This could certainly be true with a teacher, with a therapist, with a parent. Like, There's so many circumstances in our lives where we went into it thinking it was going to be one way, but the person that we're working with or helping out or caring for is expecting us to give a lot more than we're prepared to give. And that's always interesting. I'm curious what your thoughts are, Jason, because it's like, I don't want to disappoint anyone. I don't want to let someone down. I want to support them. But I simultaneously, I have to take care of myself. I have to look out for myself too. And I think that sometimes we forget that coaches and speakers and authors and trainers and teachers and parents, like they're living their own lives. Their whole lives does not revolve around helping us when we're in that role of being cared for or trained or coached or whatever, they're going about their own life with a lot of other things on their plate too. And I think that it requires some mindfulness and some patience unless they've specifically said, hey, we're going to give you everything you need, an unlimited amount of support. Maybe you're getting an extreme amount of money, but it's not really about money. I think it's that each person has only so much that they can give. And it's interesting for me in times as a coach when somebody keeps asking for more than I can give or want to give, and that conflict within me of being afraid of disappointing them or not being enough for them. And I'm curious if you've experienced that, Jason. I've experienced it, absolutely, not just in the context of our programs and also individual one-on-one coaching. I've experienced it in our business where I feel like there are times when you're on fire about something and I'm tanked and I'm like, dude... I can't do this right now. And there's a fear of like disappointing you as my business partner, right? Which is a similar feeling to sometimes feeling about our students or our clients. And I think it's a tricky thing because on one hand, we have agreed to show up for someone, whether that's in our business or a client or a student, whatever the case may be. And so for me, it's almost not a conflict per se, but somewhere in the context of a conflict of I want to be in integrity with my word and showing up for this human being as I've agreed to do, but then also realizing that whether it's burnout or surgery recovery or just feeling absolutely tanked energetically, after we get done with the podcasts, I need to go rest. Like I can't jump right back into work because my energy gets drained because of my physical state. It's a tough thing, Wit, because yeah, I don't want to disappoint people, but at the same time, if people get annoyed with me for not doing things in the time frame I've said I've done, or if they have an expectation of how I ought to show up, I have to just let it go and say, I'm sorry that you feel disappointed. But you know, I don't know, Whitney, in some ways, like the gift of being in this accident and this post-surgical recovery is me not feeling guilty about dropping the ball from time to time. 
because I think I've beat myself up unnecessarily in years past about how I've perceived maybe dropping the ball. And it's not that I'm apathetic to it or don't care, but I realize that if I don't allow myself to get the sleep I need and the rest I need and take a step away from the computer and tending to needs, I will put myself in a very precarious position with my health. And you and I have both experienced burnout to different varying degrees. We've experienced sickness by overworking ourselves to varying degrees. And I think one thing that I'm very mindful of as we get to this year's end, because there's a lot of people wanting a lot of shit, right? You and I have a lot of promotions we're doing from the bundle to our amazing holiday giveaway that's coming up. And then I have other things that I'm contracted for from YouTube videos to other promotions and things like that. And it's like, ah, oh, it'll get done when it gets done. And I know some people might get triggered by that. And some people might be like, but you said you were going to get it done. I'm like, you know what? It'll get done in the time frame it gets done. That doesn't mean six months from now. But in summary, I find myself having to retrain people to not be so demanding. Like, hey, if you're displeased with my performance or you're displeased with my timeline, sorry. And I'm not saying that to be, again, reticent or dismissive, but my number one priority right now is taking care of me. Like that has to be the number one priority. Absolutely. And I think that that's part of the whole boundary setting. And sometimes you have the opportunities to do that. And sometimes you don't. I imagine being a parent, you can't always say to your children, you're going to have to wait. You know, like sometimes their needs will come before yours. Sometimes as a coach, as a trainer, as a therapist, as whatever else work that you're doing, you have to step back and take care of somebody's needs before you take care of your own. And I think that it's a balancing act. It really goes case by case. And we have to remember to be mindful of what the other person is going through. And I think that's what communication is all about. Just letting somebody know, hey, these are the expectations or this is what you can expect from me and I'm going to do my best. And we can talk about it as we move through these things, we can adjust and I'll let you know when I'm feeling burnt out and I'll let you know when I can do more and I have more energy. And I think also just giving each other that grace, though, is giving people the benefit of the doubt. I get very triggered when I feel like somebody doesn't understand me or doesn't feel like they're being mindful of my needs. If I perceive somebody as being selfish or unaware that makes me feel a little bit resentful. <laughs> but sometimes you have to ask people to be respectful of you. Sometimes you have to really be clear about your boundaries because they might be very innocent in asking for more. Everybody has different versions of boundaries. It's an ongoing thing. And like I said, that's what communication is there for. As we begin to wrap up this episode, or before we do, I should say, I do want to touch upon some of the wonderful things that we have read in Wellness Warrior Training's Week 1 Assessment. So we have a new batch of students who are going through the program week by week. And as I said earlier, they have the option of doing this assessment. And I read some wonderful things in here, Jason. I don't know if you've seen any of this, but I wanted to share some. So we have questions to help each student reflect on the lessons that they're learning and put them into action. One of the questions is, what does excellence mean to you? What does success mean to you? And here are some of the responses we've received. One is, excellence is being the best I can be at something. Success is knowing that I put my all into it. 
Another person said, excellence is living with integrity, self-discipline, kindness, consciousness, and intentionality. Success is doing my best in the many arenas of my life with appropriate balance and effectiveness in meeting the needs of those who rely on me, which is a nice compliment to the boundaries we were just talking about. And the third one I want to read is, excellence and success are when I am managing my work, home, personal life, and self-care with equal focus and attention. I am usually good at two of those things at a time, but rarely three or all four. And I think that's another great (laughs) response that ties into this conversation. I mean, it's hard for us to be great or even good at work, home, our personal life, our self-care, all of that, and how they kind of overlap each other and what they mean for us. Achieving all of that constantly at the same time is a challenge. And I love that this person acknowledged that like sometimes they can handle two, but two of them have to go by the wayside for a little bit, right? Like you can only do two at a time. And I think that clarity and that acknowledgement, that awareness, and that kind of self-understanding is really key. Yeah, this reminds me of people that I've met over the course of my life who will excel, dramatically excel at one area of their life, whether that's making money or investing or scaling a business, or more specifically, musicians or artists that are absolute savants or incredibly talented at one particular thing, but perhaps they have a strained relationship with their family, or they can't necessarily seem to make a romantic relationship work for a long period of time, or maybe they don't take very good care of themselves in terms of health and wellness. And I think this is such a human, vulnerable thing to talk about where, I don't know, there's this idea that one ought to optimize or excel every aspect of their life. And I think you and I have talked about this, Whitney, with some of the trainings we've done. And certainly there's some coaches and quote thought leaders that espouse this of like, try and excel in every aspect of your life. Well, it's like, is that even fucking possible to excel in every aspect of your life? I mean, can we dig into that for just a minute? Like, as I'm saying it, it's not that it's impossible, but it almost sounds like, I don't know, Is that even realistic for a person to do, to excel in every aspect of life? Probably not. (laughs) I'm sure it's, um, well, I believe anything is possible, right? There's likely somebody out there, but for how long? That's the big question is we will often put people up on a pedestal because of something they've achieved one time or for a certain period of time in their life. And then we'll tear them down if they stop doing those things. And the media loves to expose celebrities like, hey, remember when so-and-so was in their heyday? Look at what they're doing now. Like, they don't look physically the same as if anybody looks the same throughout their whole life or their careers down the toilet. Or even like the other day, Jason, when we were talking about one-hit wonders, like we like to shame somebody for being successful for a short period of time. But hey, like that success didn't, last jokes on you. So I think that's actually part of this conversation too is like this ongoing pressure to constantly sustain the actions or the amount of work, hustle, balance that we have in our life. And back to my point, I've been doing yoga off and on, literally off and on for 14 plus years now. And 
luckily, that has taught me that I go through phases. Sometimes I will do yoga every single day. Sometimes I will get up at five in the morning to do yoga. Like I just go through these phases. Same thing with my sleep. That's another thing is sometimes I go through phases where I sleep late. Right now, I've been getting up at an average of 10 a.m. And that feels kind of late to me, right? Like I wake up and I'm like, oh, great. The whole world has started their day except for me, which is probably not true. But in my mind, I think that. And I've actually had a lot of romantic partners that point this quality out about me because they see me and my sleep schedule more frequently than most other people aside from my family. And my family does this too. Like a lot of people have commented on my sleep schedule. And I'm like, listen, like I know by now that I go through phases where sometimes I like getting up early. Like I said, 5 a.m., I've gone through phases of waking up early so I can do great yoga classes. And I go through phases where I'll wake up at 10 a.m., sometimes even later, God forbid, because that's what I want. That's maybe what I need at that time. So am I going to beat myself up for not always being perfectly consistent with my lifestyle? No, because I'm going through those changes. And so I don't know, maybe I'm just not one of those people. I think there are people, to answer your question, Jason, who have been getting up at the same time every single day for most of their lives or have been consistent with their work. Maybe some people have a different relationship with consistency than me. And great, (laughs) good for them if that feels good to them. But I suppose there's no shame in not being perfectly consistent all the time. I'm laughing because... (laughs) I'm just examining a lot of the phrases and verbiage and rhetoric that gets passed around of like, be a high performer and be a high achiever. And I remember one of the very first Tony Robbins books I read years ago was, I think it was Unlimited Power. And there's a section in there where he talks about the principle of CANI, C-A-N-I, which stands for constant and never-ending improvement. And I remember feeling so much like every aspect of my life had to be in that framework of constant and never-ending improvement. My health, my finances, my investments, my relationships, my creativity. And you know what? It feels like so much pressure. I've realized that I've used a lot of these principles of high-performing, high-achieving, constant, never-ending improvement to put a level of expectation and pressure on myself that I've never been able to achieve. And that's one of the reasons that I recently, I mentioned this in a previous episode, destroyed my vision board for the first time. I've been doing vision boards since like 2000. Wow. When did I see the secret? 2006. So for 14 years, Whitney constantly doing a list of aims and goals, constantly doing a vision board, some of which came true, some of which didn't. But I'm realizing that some of these mechanisms and these tropes in the coaching industry have in some ways backfired. And I'm not throwing Tony under the bus or anybody else that we've read books or followed. It's just that some of these frameworks, I think, don't resonate anymore. I don't want to read their emails. I don't want to implement their programs. I don't want to be in this like constantly growing, constantly moving, constantly optimizing. I'm burnt the fuck out on all of it, to be honest with you. Like I am burnt out on all of it. I don't care about optimizing right now. I don't care about constant improvement. 
I just don't care. I might care again, or maybe I'll recreate the frameworks in a way that works better for me that's more sustainable. But to your point, Whitney, I just feel like this mentality of more, better, faster, different, improve, optimize, like I just, I don't want anything to do with it right now. Anything. Well, I think it's important to be aware of what's serving you and what's not serving you. One of the things that we teach in Wellness Warrior Training is about creating a personal affirmation for yourself. And it's kind of interesting to read through this because sometimes I feel like affirmations are a little cliche, like kind of like uh, vision boards and all of that. But it really depends on your relationships with that word affirmation, right? Like maybe that serves you to say things out loud or write things down. I've experimented with this a lot. And I think if you take the pressure off of it, For me, if I don't think of affirmations in terms of like getting what I want, but instead think of affirmations in terms of just feeling good in that moment, then they tend to have a more powerful effect. And I wanted to read some of the personal affirmations that people have created in this course. One of them just makes me feel good reading. So I guess this one works for me. (laughs) This person says, I am a good, decent, kind, generous person. Like who doesn't want to hear those words or say those words out loud? I don't know, actually. Maybe some doesn't resonate with everybody. But to me, it's like, wow, that feels good. I like seeing those words. I like saying those words. So that affirmation works for me. Another example is, I am capable of making good choices and becoming the person I want to be, right? And of course, we are capable of that, right? But you really have to define what does the word good mean in the context of good choices. And hopefully, you're not shaming yourself or perceiving yourself as making bad choices, right? I'm a little sensitive to the word good, even though in the other line, I like that context of good in that first affirmation. But in the second affirmation, when you pair the word good with choices, I get a little triggered by that, right? Because then I'm like, well, does that mean I'm making bad choices? So affirmations are really fascinating. And another thing that we have in this first week of Wellness Warrior training is around gratitude. And I love that. I think gratitude is incredibly important. Each of us kind of being aware and defining what we're grateful for is really, really helpful in getting through hard days and really focusing on what we perceive as good, what we perceive as bringing us joy is really helpful. And lastly, another section in this assessment, and the last one that I'm going to share is around listing five touchstones in your life that help you instantly connect with your joy. We provided a few examples, and I wanted to share a few that our students have shared. So for us, we said playing with animals, dancing in the kitchen, singing in the car, making a great meal, taking a walk outside. Saying those out loud actually makes me feel good. That brings me joy just thinking about doing those things, which I think shows the power of something like meditation, like or visualization, actually, more accurately. Visualizing yourself doing something can bring you joy. So maybe a visualization practice might work well in that scenario or meditating on on being outside. And some of the other touchstones that our students have shared is running, being with children, eating a great meal, reading. I love this one. It's very specific. Lego building. Seems like we have a lot of parents in this course. Watching a great movie, spending time with family, going to the mountains, 
being aware of these things that bring you joy, and then also making sure that you're doing them often enough is really, really important. And so these are just a few things that you can use right now, actually. So if you have not yet enrolled in Wellness Warrior Training, stay tuned because it is going to be part of a bundle. I guess it depends on when you're listening to this episode, but we'll be talking about that in January 2021. And if you're listening after that sale, stay tuned because we often run sales. Or like I said before, you can always just ask us if we can extend a discount to you. And oftentimes our answer will be yes, not always, but we really try to make them accessible to you. I just wanted to leave you off with a few things again to kind of wrap up some of the things that we've touched upon today. One is finding ways to connect with your joy. Another is focusing on gratitude, trying things out, whether it's creating affirmations for yourself and seeing if that works for you. And if it doesn't, then don't do it. You know, setting these boundaries, as we've talked about, is really key. Working on your communication. What are some other things that we've touched upon today, Jason, that you want to leave the listener with before we end? I think really getting clear about boundaries and being really gentle with ourselves and looking at ways in which maybe we push ourselves too hard or expect too much. And the biggest thing right now, I think, is realizing that we're never going to reach a perfected state. We're never going to reach a state of non-disturbance. And when I say that, kind of in my own summary of all these teachings, Whitney, is I think there's an idea that if we get to a certain weight or a certain level of fitness or a certain lifestyle, a certain number in our bank accounts or our investments or a zip code or the right house, the right car, the right partner, there are so many permutations and variations of this perfected life that somehow we'll reach a state of non-disturbance. I'll never worry about my weight again. I'll never worry about feeling weak again. I'll never worry about feeling unloved again or unworthy. And I think that if we examine this pursuit and how many businesses and things operate this way with this idea that by making our lives more perfect or optimized that we'll never be disturbed again, it's one of the biggest illusions that runs us in our society. And I think realizing that, hey, if we just like be easier about it and more gentle about it and treat all of this, as we have said in the past on the podcast, as a series of experiments and practices. I feel like if I frame things in a way that, okay, this is just another experiment, this is just another opportunity for me to practice, it takes the pressure off of trying to make my life, quote, perfect or constantly be optimizing everything. So I think for you, dear listener, if you can frame the things that we talk about on the podcast or maybe some of the things you're learning about as experiments and practices, again, I find that it takes the pressure off and allows us to really freely explore trying new things in our lives. And with that, dear listener, we leave this episode of This Might Get Uncomfortable. We hope that you received some really potent takeaways here. We're always learning along with you. It's one of the reasons that we do this podcast is Whitney and I are always making constant discoveries from our own psychology, our own minds, our own lives. And one of the most remarkable things in doing these courses and these teachings and this coaching is we're always learning right alongside with you. We don't ever position ourselves as experts or gurus or people that have ascended to a certain level of mastery. We are students of life just like you. So thank you for always being with us. If you want to reach out directly, you can email us. It's hello at wellevator.com. 
And that is also our website, which is W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. You will find the show notes for this episode, all of our previous episodes, and you will also be able to enroll in the Consistency Code and Wellness Warrior Training. We have a ton of really wonderful free resources. So if you haven't visited our website yet, go on and dig in. It is a smorgasbord of goodness in many, many facets of life. So we hope you dig in there and take advantage of all the great stuff on our website. And we're on all of the social media handles. We've been ramping things up on Instagram, doing more on TikTok. So follow us there. We're also on Facebook, YouTube, and all the big platforms. So until next time, dear one, thanks for listening to us. Thanks for subscribing to the podcast if you've already done so. And if you haven't, go ahead and subscribe because we release three episodes every single week. And I don't see any sign of stopping anytime soon. So we've got more goodness for you coming soon. Thanks for being with us as always. And we'll catch you soon with another episode. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to WellEvator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.